0: Super
1: cool radio. Hello everyone and welcome back to another great super cool radio interview. I'm your host as always, Matthew Thomas. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have an awesome guest joining me at this time. This year, Blacklist Union released two killer singles entitled The Queen of Everything and Letters from the Psych Ward. Please welcome from Blacklist Union, Tony West.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Very nice to have you on the show. Very nice to be chatting with you. I very much appreciate it. Yeah, glad to be here. Now, focusing on uh, Blacklist Union, how was the name created? I'm very curious.
0: Uh, well, I mean, you know, um, my goal was to put together a band of the best musicians uh, with the worst reputations. So, hence, Blacklist Union.
1: Right on, right on. I could definitely, I could definitely dig that. All right, so now, obviously, as I said, uh, Blacklist Union's been very active this year. Um, I know the previous albums in a few years already. Uh, so for this year, um, you've released two singles, as I said. Uh, it feels like it's got a little bit of a different um, kind of feel and um, vibe to them. Has it been a different experience with this new batch of music compared to previous releases? I
0: mean, you know, every every record, uh, you know, hopefully as an artist evolves, um, you know, but we do still have the same quintessential, you know, Blacklist Union sound. That's like, you know, kick-ass rock and roll, um, high energy. I'm very influenced by punk rock. Um, but, you know, there's a couple songs on there, too. You know, I'm, I'm very influenced by who I just mentioned, Mother Love Bone, who is an amazing Seattle band. Um, so there's there's some of that in there as well, the kind of slow groove, but there's the high-energy rock stuff. And then um, the last record, Back to Momo, you know, I, I wrote with Todd Youth, who passed away in 2018. And, you know, Todd was in a, – a, he's a legendary punk rock kind of rock and roll icon. And he was in D generation, which was a New York city band in the nineties. Um, he played with Ace really played with Danzig. He played with Glenn Campbell. Like he's, he did all kinds of shit. Um, so it was a little difficult after Todd died. He was my writing partner. You know, he wasn't in the band, although he did gigs with us. Um, you know, he was my writing partner and we had a special chemistry and, after he died, it took me a while to find somebody I can write with.
1: How was that process of finding somebody um, somebody else to, to write these songs with?
0: I mean, it was very difficult, actually. And um, I ended up writing it with the guy who produced all the Blacklist Union records, Chris Johnson, who knows my voice. He knows, I mean, he helped me create our sound. So, and plus he is a songwriting machine. And, you know, like Todd, you know, Songwriting is is basically, man, you know, like composition, like English composition, you know what I mean? And um, I used to get begged by my English teacher in high school to come to class because I would do all the assignments, but I wouldn't come to class because I'd tell him I had better shit to do, although I found out later that was bullshit. But I always liked writing, you know. So with writing songs, it's really no different than writing a story, even musically, because, you know, you want to have an intro to an outro and you know believe it or not a lot of people don't understand that concept and you know it's kind of hard to find someone that did but really it wasn't because the guy was in my you know peripheral the whole time you know so
1: no i got you for for sure you know it is very hard i know you know you've you've definitely talked about in other interviews and I've said in other interviews as well it's very hard to find a you know songwriting partner that like understands you and also like uh, kind of fits what you're going for
0: yeah and with todd like i didn't have to explain to todd like check out turbo negro you know check out gbh check out this acdc record like todd already had all that shit in his dna like he schooled me man you know what i mean which was great you know and um and that's, that's hard to find. I always say, like, um, you know, finding a songwriting partner is like trying to find a wife. Like, it's not very easy, you know, so.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And I did want to talk about, so as I, as I said in the intro, um, you have the, the new album said to be released in September. Uh, what can people, like, expect, like, musically and lyrically from this new album?
0: I mean, you can expect kick-ass rock and roll. That'll make you want to fuck and fight and drive fast and, like, you know. Shit like that, but um, lyrically, you know, after Todd died, I went to the Amazon jungle in Peru with the Shipibo Indians, and I did ayahuasca five times, so I don't know if you're hip to what that is or anything. I don't know. So it's a heavy indigenous medicine that is ancient and um, takes you on a fucking trip to the other side, and um, and it lasts hours like 10 12 hours very heavy and you know when when todd passed away i was like man i can't let his death destroy me because you know i've let people's deaths destroy me man and i needed tangible proof that there was something beyond this realm which it it sounds ridiculous to me now because I, i know that's so the case now uh, but before I started doing plant medicine, specifically ayahuasca and then Ibogaine and DMT, um, you know, I questioned that. Um, so lyrically, all of those, all of these songs are about pretty much that healing process and journey.
1: So that that's very, very interesting. I, um... Yeah, you I'm know, not, not very familiar with it, but um, but to have those kind of experiences then to, you know, obviously base some of the songs on that, I think is, is, is very cool. And also, so like when you said you were in the jungle, was that something you just kind of spur of the moment went to or is that like um, something you kind of planned out? Like how did you, you know, determine you were going there?
0: Um, so I, ayahuasca was on my radar and I, and I, and I had done it once before in this LA church thing, which is like, I hate to say poser, but it was trendy ish. You know what I mean? And I'm not down with the trends. Like I'm kind of like consider myself a trailblazer. Like I've always done my own thing. So I knew that ayahuasca where it came from was the Amazon jungle in peru so i did research and found a tribe that I, me and my girl could go to and do it you know
1: so. that's very interesting very um very cool and very uh, unexpected you know uh, just to, to hear about that but i think that was it sounds really awesome how was like how was overall how was that experience
0: i mean it was life-changing you know um there's really uh, there's no words man um you know, uh, it it took me to places that you know, you you know these places, but but we don't fucking know that we know these places. You know, it's really heavy. Like, I mean, dude, there's definitely like I, you know, my girlfriend Bianca, she was a singer for Betty Blowtorch. She died. I remember one time when we were dating, she said to me, "Do you think we'll be okay when we die?" And I was like, "Well." we're okay right now which means we probably were okay you know which means we were okay before we got here so chances are we'll be okay after and like you know i had these things instinctively in me but still as a human you have doubts you have loss you have pain there's fucked up shit that happens on the planet to children or elderly people, so you you know you question that shit. You know, I remember one night, um, they're like, "Okay, Tony, for dinner tonight, uh, you have a choice. Um, you can have chicken, jungle rat, or monkey." I was like, uh, "Yeah, I'll have the chicken." <laughs> yeah. But it was beautiful and a heavy experience that um, was so beautiful, man. It really was.
1: All right, and that's really awesome to hear. I'm glad it was um, you know, a really great experience and really eye-opening for you as well. And, you know, obviously, um, you know, uh, you have been working on and creating some new music based on some of your experiences there as well. So I, and I did want to talk about um, the, some of the new singles. Obviously, as I said, I really enjoyed Letters from the Psych Ward. I really enjoyed the music video for it. And I'm, so I'm curious for you, how was uh, it filming the music video for Letters from the Psych Ward?
0: Man, you know, so we ha- we have a new manager, Paul Crosby, who is, the- he was the drummer in Saliva for years, and those guys have been friends of mine for years, fucking a couple, couple decades. Uh, but, um, you know, Paul started managing us, and then he connected us with this video guy named Thomas Crane, who's done all kinds of shit, uh, Queensryche and all kinds of bands. Um, I love working with Thomas. He's a great guy so creative and you know he's the guy that like you see his wheels turning while he's filming like he's a visionary you know and I gave him full reign like I mean I had a couple of ideas like you know the straight jacket was my idea and you know performance video and and so forth but he does all the editing the filming like it was so great working with him and he did the letters from the psych ward video and then he also did the queen of everything video and then our third um, single, which is coming out uh, this month or the first week of August called Dirty Halo, he also did that video. And uh, Dirty Halo is a, probably one that's closest to my heart. Uh, you know, we covered Mia, which is an Aerosmith song off um, Night in the Ruts, which my daughter was named after that. My daughter's 11 and I'm gigantic. Gigantic pain in my ass right now, but I love her. And so I hold that song closest to my heart. But Dirty Halo is the next one in line because, um, you know, we filmed the video right after Wayne Sweeney died from Celaya. And he was my friend, man. I loved him. He was such a beautiful guy. Like, I loved him, man. He was a rock and roll soldier. And, you know, so in Dirty Halo video, I'm wearing a shirt, that's a picture of Wayne on it. And then um, the last shot is a saliva shirt with on the back. It says Sweeney 96. That was his last t-shirts they were printing out. And, um, but also, you know, bef- before Wayne died, this, of course the song was written, Dirty Halo. And, you know, it's about Todd youth. It's about all kinds of friends that I've lost along the way, along the way, D.H. Peligro, who is my good friend from the dead Kennedys who just died, were, were, you know, We're all a little tainted. We're all a little fucked up. Like, you got to be a little crazy to even make it in this fucking world, you know? And, you know, but fundamentally, most people, not all, are good people. You know what I mean? So, with Dirty Halo, it's like, I don't mind your dirty halo. You know, it's kind of about acceptance, man. You know? So, I look forward to dropping that video too and single. It's going to be a good one.
1: I definitely look forward to checking out. I really like the the meaning and the messages behind, uh, behind the song as well, and especially in the music video as well. I definitely look forward to checking it out. Yeah, thank you. So I'm curious for you. So what have been, like, obviously there's been some music videos, obviously for the new batch of songs, plus previous releases as well. Do you have a favorite music video so far that you've filmed?
0: You know, I, I mean, the new shit, you know, is really really great. And the Dirty Halo video, man, you know, I saw it and I was wowed. And I'm hard to wow, you know, And, and like, that's my goal with Blacklist Union's music and live performances. Like, my fucking goal is to make sure people are wowed. Because how often does that happen? Not very often, you know. So...
1: Yeah, for sure. No, it, it is very hard nowadays to actually like either surprise people or like impress people or wow people as you said. It's kinda of hard nowadays to so actually to capture that and to wow yourself in the process is yeah. really cool and it's it's not as easy uh you know done than you know what people might think.
0: No, not at all. And you know, uh I remember I don't know if you're familiar with a band called Turbo Negro. I am, yes. Uh one of my favorite bands, one of my biggest influences. And you know, w- Their live show, I used to walk away saying, wow, you know. And, like, that's what I'm going for, so.
1: No, right on. And uh, before – I got some a few closing questions. Before we get to that, though, uh, so for you, like, obviously this is – uh, you know, the new release for Blacklist Union this year. So I'm curious for you, like, when you release music, I know when, like, I release, like, interviews and videos and stuff, there's always part of me that thinks, like, oh, are people going to like this? Are people going to care? Do you ever get those, like, similar feelings when you release new music?
0: I mean, you know, my friend told me once, you know, if you don't have haters, you're a nobody, you know? So and then even with Paul Stanley, like Kiss, I'm really not a fan of Kiss, but guess what? Millions of other motherfuckers are like, it doesn't matter what the fuck I think. Like, I like a few of their songs and I totally respect them and I love their merch and shit. But I remember like with Ace, I, there was an interview once and, and they asked Ace the question and Ace was like, yeah, well, you either love us or hate us. And, and Paul stopped them right there and goes, and for those who love us, blah, 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 blah. So the haters don't even fucking matter. Haters are part of the equation, really, because I don't know if you saw the Elvis movie, but um, how his manager was like, he bought I hate Elvis buttons. And they were like, why did you get that? And he's like, well, we have I love Elvis buttons. So why don't we sell them to the people that hate us, too? You know, I was like, that's genius. You know, so haters are just part of it, man. Like, don't. Get discouraged by that shit. You know, and people, especially nowadays with online and everybody's a fucking critic. And then um you also have the people that are in a mood like that just will fire off some shit because they're angry about whatever, or you know, man. So it's all part of the process, really. I trust me, dude. I have plenty of haters. But I, I don't fucking pay attention to that. I gotta go where the love is. That's where, you know, one of the plant plant medicine stuff taught me go where the love is because I had a gnarly fucking childhood, like, you know, with a gnarly family that was toxic and all. So I had a lot of pain behind that shit. And, you know, I got to let go of that and and go where the love is. Like my children love me. You know, my girl loves me. Like people love me. So I got to I got to concentrate on that.
1: That was really good. I I really like that. Uh, you know, going where the love is. That's um, very, very well said and uh very true, especially in this life. There's there's so much negativity and toxicity in the world that yeah. you have to find those pockets of love, you know, throughout throughout your life. Right. Really awesome, really awesome. All right, uh just a few more things to be wrapping this up. So this is probably the most challenging question I will ask you as I'm closing out this interview, but what have been some of your favorite moments from your musical career so far?
0: I mean, you know, um, I mean, recording wise, like I remember our first record, I I did um, a song for Bianca, who I mentioned from Betty Blowtorch, who was my girlfriend, and um, it was on the five year anniversary of her death. So this was, oh no, it was four year anniversary. So this was in 2005, when we were doing our first record. And um, I had it set up where I was going to go to her grave and then beeline to the studio and record this song called dying to live, which I wrote for her. And um, so that's what I did. And I remember I did one pass and I look over at the producer and our bass player and their jaws were hanging open. And I was like, what did that just suck? And they're like, no dude, you just nailed it all the way through. And it was the first time I ever nailed a song all the way through. And as a singer, man, that's kind of a big deal because it doesn't happen often. It's happened, maybe twice since. Um, So that's a special moment. Another special moment is on this new record um, when I was recording Mia, which is an Aerosmith song, and fucking Steven Tyler is like, the best, you know? Like, there's nobody better, and, you know, um, and I remember I was texting Josie, the original singer for Saliva, and I'm like, I'm scared, dude, and he's like, dude, you're gonna kick ass, you know? So I, I sang the song, and I remember before I I sang it, uh, the producer and the engineer were both like, you know, this is kind of a hard song. I'm like, ah, no, I'll be fine. So I sing it, dude, and I remember every time I hear this song now, I'm going to think of this, but the the producer and the um, engineer were, were standing up in the control room with their arms in the air cheering because I was nailing this shit. Like I have goosebumps talking about that. But those are special moments recording and then you know live um you know i mentioned mother love bone uh andrew wood was my biggest influence as a kid like so for those that don't know mother love bone um, andy died and then they got eddie vetter and became pearl jam so i'm really not a fan of pearl jam they've sold more records than me but that whole droney um vocal it's just not my deal but Mother Love Bone was magical, like Zeppelin. And um, so Andy had a band before Mother Love Bone called Malfunction, which a lot of people don't know about because Mother Love Bone was only in existence for the last two or three years of Andy's life. Before that, there was Malfunction that played with Soundgarden, that played with Nirvana, that played with Alice in Chains, you know, Mudhoney, Screaming Trees, all those bands. And... Um, Mike Starr was a friend of mine from Alice in Chains. He was my roommate. So when he died, um, I did a gig for Mike, a memorial gig, where I sang a set of Alice in Chains songs and I sang a set of Mother Love Bone songs. So that tape got to Kevin Wood, who is Andy's brother and the guitar player for Malfunction. They asked me to fucking join the band, dude. My hero's band, Malfunction. So we did a bunch of gigs, and, um, man, I would sing. And these are songs. I learned how to sing to these songs. Um, I knew them inside out, every nuance. I still do. I practice them all the time. But all of a sudden, I'm singing in my hero's band, dude, you know, playing in Hollywood and playing with all these people. And, you know, talk, talk about haters. Like, people used to tell me, you suck, you'll never get anywhere. All of a sudden, I'm singing in my hero's band, you know, the To a lot of people, and Andy Wood is the Holy Grail of rock and roll. Man, he is to me and to a lot of other people. But the swan song moment, where you know, as a kid, you think, "I gotta make it. I gotta make it." And you know, and and making it, you think is like you have your house in the hills, you have a fat bank account, you're touring all over the world, this and that. But. We, sit, we did a gig in Seattle, so uh, malfunction. And that day, I took Andy and um, Kevin's mother out to lunch, and I was like, "Look, you'll never know what your songs, what your son's songs did for me as a kid. Like, I can't even explain it to you. I, it saved my life." So that night, I sang in front of the Soundgarden camp, the Allison Chains camp, the Nirvana camp, the fucking Love Bone camp, Andy's mother. We did a gig in Seattle, and I sang those songs. And um, I remember seeing Andy's mom in the face – or I remember seeing Andy's mom's face in the crowd, and it was luminous. And I remember she was astonished because, for me, it's not about me. I want to channel. I I prayed on my knees before I got on stage and said, please, God, let Andy sing through me. Let me sing these songs for his mother – his brother, his family, his friends, his fans, and don't let me make it about me. And and I did that, man. And I have goosebumps. And that was the fucking moment. I made it inside, dude. You know, like, I made it. Like, spiritually, emotionally, that was my moment, man, where I was just like, wow. You know, like blew my mind. And I've had moments where been through a lot of shit and i've had moments where i'm like okay it was all worth it to get to this point or whatever but
1: yeah. no, some truly incredible moments um you know and just uh great moments to charity as you said going through all the shit but like it's worth it for those you know for those moments and i'm i'm glad that you know especially with the um with malfunction like that that moment right there sounds truly incredible
0: it really was
1: and uh, dude i
0: And to top it off after that, I remember one night or after the gig, um, someone goes, you know, Lane and Andy would have loved you. It chokes me up now. I started to cry, dude, you know, because I didn't know Lane. I live with Mike, but I didn't know Lane. And then after me and my crew guy, we go into the fucking airport in Seattle, dude, and I stop dead in my tracks. I'm like, oh, my God, listen. Listen. Throughout, I have goosebumps throughout the whole airport, dude. What song are they playing out of the plethora of songs in this world? Mother Love Bone's biggest song, Star Dog Champion. They're playing throughout the fucking airport. Like, if that wasn't a message, you know, it was. It was such a beautiful, beautiful experience. And you know what's fucked up is that I had to quit my my heroes' band because of the inner politics, you know. But I did have those beautiful moments and was honored to be a part of that legacy. And, man, my fucking name gets, you know, put in the mix with Andy Wood. Like, there's no higher honor. It reminds me of Wayne's World where they're like, we're not worthy kind of deal. But apparently I am worthy, and that's pretty cool to have that, so...
1: Oh, it definitely is, especially, you know, to be kind of intermixed with all of that as well. Like, that's definitely such an incredible thing and, you know, something, you know, that uh, I'm not sure, you know, not something you would have thought of, like, when you first started, but now, like, you are here and you're, you're, you are a part of it. I think it's just incredible.
0: I-, I remember telling Andy's mom and brother, I was like, you know, I showed up in Hollywood from New York as a teenager with a bag, a plastic bag of clothes and a mother love bone tape and a fucking dream. You know, so, Are you hip to Mother of Bone?
1: I've heard a few of their songs. I'm not uh, oh, no. super familiar, but I, yeah, I, I go know down. who they are. Yeah. Go down
0: the rabbit hole on that one. I highly recommend it.
1: So, I definitely I'm definitely going to check out more of their stuff. Yeah. All right, so uh, closing out this interview, so um, for you, I really appreciate the conversation. I had a great time chatting with you. So uh, for um, Blacklist Union, um, what's kind of the rest of this year looking like? Is there going to be, like, some live shows? You know, you obviously have the album coming out in September. What's kind of the rest of this year looking like?
0: You know, so we're playing the whiskey um, uh, July 29th um, in L.A., uh it's a it's the crew fest which is um a charity event every year for skylar Neal, who is vince Neal's little girl who passed away uh then we're doing a, um, a cd release party at the viper room in la um i think that's the fifth it's a saturday either the 15th or 16th of september um, our record release party and then we're in talks right now about going to europe with warrior soul who's also one of my biggest influences, um, a band from New York that was around the 90s that I love. So um, they're a huge influence on Blacklist Union and our sound. So we're, we're talking with them right now about doing that. So that's what's happening right now.
1: Right on, I hope the shows go well. I do hope uh, the European tour with, uh, it happens. That sounds really awesome. I hope all that works out for you. So, last thing uh, before we sign off, um, for everyone watching and listening, where are the best places to find Blacklist Union? Google,
0: you know, Blacklist, one word, union. And then, um, you know, we have our BlacklistUnion.com. We're on every single platform there is to find our music. We have videos on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on TikTok. We're on fucking Instagram. We're on all of it. I I think now we're going to have to get on this new and threads it's like you know I'm fucking I, I'm not into social media at all but like I have to be by default you know I don't run our shit you know cause I don't like it but believe it or not there's people that actually do like it you know so they're happy to do it and get paid for it so I mean I do answer our messages I'll post sometimes but I can't I, it's a lot there's so many distractions in the fucking world it's like you know I got to keep my focus, you know.
1: No, I, to- I totally know what you mean. There's a lot, a lot of stuff out there. Seems like there's new ones, just like with threads just popping up all the time yeah. that you have to be a part of. So now I'm glad you got a team and people um, who are uh, able to do it. You can focus on obviously just making kick ass music. Where, where are you located? Uh, South Bend, Indiana. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just just right before like 15 minutes from the Michigan border.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. That's rock and roll fucking central right there man
1: that's right that, that definitely for sure especially between chicago and detroit definitely oh,
0: yeah you know I, I was just saying in an interview the other day detroit like you know man if you want to know if you're good or bad go to detroit because they'll fucking let you know and if you're bad they might kick your ass but you know if you're good they'll fucking love you you know and i i love detroit man it's one of my favorite places to play
1: Oh, yeah, definitely a totally different vibe there with, like, just everything compared to other places. And, oh, you know, one of my favorite like, my favorite artists of all time is Alice Cooper. So, you know, obviously they were in Cal- originally in, like, Phoenix in California, but they moved to Detroit, and that's where they really started getting their, um, you know, popularity and audience and stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a, a go-to city if you, like, want to try to make it and have a shot at making it. Definitely Detroit with rock and roll. I agree. So, Tony, thank you so much for stopping by Super Cool Radio. I had such a great time chatting with you. Please check out and support Blacklist Union. I'll drop some links for Blacklist Union in the description of this podcast. Tony, I appreciate uh, you hanging out with me.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. It was nice chatting with you.
1: Of course. So, for Tony West of Blacklist Union, I'm your host always, Matthew Thomas. Thanks so much for watching and listening to Super Cool Radio. And remember, stay frosty.